Welcome once again to the Grade A Movies Podcast. My name's Larry Lannon. I'm your host. The two men who will be, uh, who are, in fact, writers for GradeAMovies.com are with me, Adam Austin and Alec Toombs. Adam, great to be with you again. And same, Alec, uh, good to be with both of you gentlemen after a couple of weeks of being away. Thanks, Larry. And by the way, thank you for covering for me a couple of weeks ago. Last time you did this without me, and you were very kind. I'd ask people to kind of keep quiet why I was away. And uh, the fact is, I had a bout with coronavirus, and for somebody my age, it's a pretty serious thing. I had very mild symptoms. I fully recovered and and feel uh, very lucky every day I wake up and and get to to face another day. So I'm just, I feel good. Thanks to you gentlemen for filling in. You did a great job while I was gone. I didn't know you'd miss my voice that much, but that's nice. <laughs> I guess that's the nice sweet, dulcet, <laughs> landing tones. I love them. Well, I love your I love your description of it. It's nice of you to say that. We do have a lot to talk about. We want to talk about some of the uh, reviews you have up on GradeAMovies.com, and also talk about some films you've seen where you haven't posted your haven't had a chance to post your reviews yet, but have some thoughts on it. So let me start with uh, Alec. Alec, uh, you already have a a review up for Echo Boomers. So tell us about that film. Uh, Echo Boomers is a uh, crime picture starring Patrick Schwarzenegger, the eldest son of Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's uh, done a little work here and there. Um, he's not a half bad actor, actually. He uh, doesn't have the natural charisma of his father, but I feel possibly emotes better than him. He kind of looks like a, uh, a skinnier younger Tom Brady. I think maybe he favors the Kennedy side of, the, of his genealogy as opposed to the Schwarzenegger side. But there's no accent. No accent. I mean, okay. I think the kid grew up in California. He grew up in California, um, not in, in, in uh, Eastern Europe. So what did you think of the film? I thought it was okay. It, it very much had the vibe of been there, done that. And I think it's probably been better done elsewhere. Um, they said it's based off a true story. Um, I don't know which story they're talking about. It may be the basis of uh, Sofia Coppola's movie from a few years ago, uh, The Bling Ring. Mm-hmm. Pretty much just about young people acting out and, and robbing uh, the wealthy in order to enrich themselves. Okay, so you give it a thumbs up or down or a grade, or how would you view it? I would give it a slight thumbs up. Um, I think I gave it three out of five stars. Michael Shannon is in it. He plays uh, the kid's fence. He kind of gives them the leads as to who they should be robbing. Um, strangely, the movie takes place in Chicago. Some of it was filmed in Chicago. Most of it was filmed in Salt Lake City, Utah. Hmm. So I don't know why that is. Probably tax breaks or something. But uh, the movie wasn't bad. Well, and Michael Shannon is now becoming one of the great character actors of our time. He's popping up everywhere. Adam, you've uh, recently reviewed a film, Spontaneous. Tell us about that. The Spontaneous is a, I would say, a teen rom-com because it takes place in high school. But it's uh, kind of an R-rated film. Uh, it's not raunchy like an American Pie. The reason this film is mostly R-rated is because the premise, Spontaneous, has to deal with people who are spontaneously exploding. <laughs> And uh, when they explode in this movie, it's not like uh, a slight little fizzle and they they drop dead. They pop like a balloon. Think uh, Mm. the made-for-TV version of balloons 
holes got popped and blood splattered everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's actually a little bit of comedic effect when these characters spontaneously explode and therefore die. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going around the high school, kind of like a virus, and nobody knows what's spreading it. And then the government steps in, promising a cure, and they say the government can't. <laughs> <laughs> Sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, they quarantine all the kids, <laughs> and they can't go to high school anymore. <laughs> oh, having been through Christmas quarantine. <laughs> having been through quarantine. Of course, this takes spontaneous combustion to a new level. Exactly. So I assume the special but effects the are, are they kind of, gru- are they of gru- are they Are they gruesome special effects, or is it uh, something you can it's, take? I mean, it's corn syrup i mean it's i mean it's i mean it's it doesn't look fake but i wouldn't say uh unless you're really adverse to that stuff you're probably okay okay so you, go ahead i interrupted like, you go i interrupted you yeah there's no ligaments or anything so. <laughs> please but, go ahead um, yeah you're about the whole to finish premise up. Of this makes it a rom-com aspect mm-hmm. is after the first student explodes and uh the protagonist the female says well who knows if it'll happen again? And that gets this one boy thinking. He's had a crush on her for years. And he was afraid to ask her out, afraid to do anything. And now, faced with the idea that he could spontaneously explode at any moment, he decides to live life like there's no tomorrow and go for it and ask out the girl that he has a crush on. And they have a nice little romance. Um... So there's that idea that explores the theme of what would you do if any day could be your last? And uh, at first, you know, yeah, don't be afraid. Go for things. Then it gets into the territory of, well, who cares? I'm not going to go to school. I'll walk around in a drunken stupor because who cares? The next day is my last. <laughs> but you, there's, the, the lesson at the end is you have to have a balancing act between the two. Okay. That sounds super 2020, Adam. Yeah, that's yeah, that's twenty twenty all, all over. around in a drunken stupor, <laughs> lovely. Or going but, to, or going uh, to was, college, I guess. Starring um, the was it the girl from Thirteen Reasons Why, Catherine uh, Langford. She's good actress. Yeah, she's really good in this too. She's got a lot of charisma. Uh, almost reminded me of Easy A in the kind of quirky female protagonist of a. Uh, rom-com that's a little smarter than your average high school coming-of-age story. So while this is set in high school, and I, I think you know people in high school would enjoy it, adults would enjoy it too. Actually, I thought this was right up Alex, uh, you know, uh, Alley. So to I speak. haven't seen it yet. I really want to, and uh, I read your review and enjoyed it. Um, the young man who's in it, uh, Charlie Plummer, is quite good too. He was in a movie I liked a lot. Yeah, Lean on Pete from a couple years ago. I thought he was excellent. And so it's it's funny. It's dark humor. A lot of pop culture references. And the part that I think will get Alec is there's some tearjerker moments. And we all know Alec is known for crying during uh, sad movies. You're an emotional so. guy, Alec. Is that it? Yeah, I don't cry in reality, like, at all. But I tend to cry in at least, like, one out of every four movies I see. <laughs> yes, well, the, you know the 1940s and 30s, they were set up for tearjerkers, so you'll you'll love that. I assume you still see some of those films now and then. Let's the go back. Yeah, so, sure. so, uh, so I would say spontaneous. What's the ver- final verdict on yeah, that? Thumbs up. Thumbs uh, up. You do have right now. It is kind of the uh, the was it ten or fifteen dollar pre theater rental cost. 
So I think it's available on Redbox now. Okay, so now if it's if it's for the cheaper price of Redbox or a five dollar rental on Amazon, uh, then I think that's probably more doable for most people. But uh, yeah, I mean it was it was a fun movie. Let's go to Alec. Uh, you recently uh, reviewed Jungle Land, so tell us about Jungle Land. Jungle Land was a movie uh, again, kind of had the feeling of been there, done that, but it was a little more successful this time. This felt like a uh, a movie from the seventies. One of those like Bob Rafelson, Jack Nicholson type movies or uh, Walter Hill's Hard Times. It's about uh, two brothers who live in Massachusetts. They squat in an abandoned home. They work in a sewing factory. One of them is a uh, very promising pugilist who had a very bright career ahead of him that his older brother screwed up by trying to bribe a judge. So the young man's resorting to fighting in backroom bare-knuckle brawls. Uh, Charlie Hunnam and Jack O'Connell play the two brothers. They're both excellent in the movie. And you, what did you think of that one? Uh, I thought it was really good. Um, I'm trying to remember the young man's name. Uh, he's Winkler, uh, Henry Winkler's son. Oh, okay. Uh, direct, directed the movie and co-wrote it. Max um, Winkler? Yeah, thank you. Yes, Max Winkler. Um it very much has a 70s vibe. The characters are all flawed. Uh, They're given an opportunity to fight in a big bare-knuckle tournament in San Francisco by a gangster that Charlie Hunnam's character owes money to in exchange for transferring a young girl from Massachusetts to Reno and delivering her to another gangster in some sort of human trafficking sort of deal. So you, you like this film? I gave it four out of five stars. Okay. My wife watched it with me and didn't care for it at all. Um, I'm a softie for this sort of thing. I love sports movies. I, I like movies about fighting, like uh, Creed and Warrior from the last 10 years or so. Um, this was in my wheelhouse. All right. So you like, let, let's stay with you for a moment. Uh, what about the Kevin Costner film, Let Him Go? What did you think of that? Like that one quite a bit, too. I thought both Costner and Lane were really good in the movie, uh, Diane Lane. Um, they have good chemistry. They've worked together before. Uh, the movie is surprisingly violent. Um, almost has kind of a Coen-y, Coen Brothers type vibe to it. I liked it quite a bit. There's an actress, I'm trying to remember her, her Leslie Manville. She was in Phantom Thread a few years ago. Uh, she's the primary heavy of the movie and is quite evil and chews scenery really well. Uh, I just... I thought it was really good. It's a movie for adults. It's slow. It's sad. But uh, there's also some surprising dark humor in it. I gave it four out of five stars. Okay, very good. Uh, Adam, I understand that uh, you've seen a film or two that you've not had a chance to review yet. Tell us what you're seeing. Yeah, I watched a film that just dropped on the in-theater-at-home status called Come Away. And uh, it's directed by Brenda Chapman, kind of a a little-known director, but she is an Oscar winner because she was one of the two directors on Brave, the Pixar animated film. She's worked mostly in animation, but this is her uh, one of her live-action forays. And the premise is it's about uh, this family set in some sort of period piece. I don't know if I ever got the time period, but uh, where the daughters, one of them's name is Alice and the other's name is Peter, and they are uh, struggling with growing up in childhood 
And it's kind of like this is the origin of Peter Pan and Alice from Alice in Wonderland. Um, so it's kind of a neat premise. It's got a great cast that boasts uh, two Oscar winners and Angelina Jolie and Michael Caine. Uh, David Oyelowo uh, is the father. Uh, and He was great in, as Martin Luther King and Selma. Um, and, of course, at the end of the movie, it's kind of like the, they're imagining that their mom is the uh, the queen of hearts and the dad is Captain Hook and there's like a Mad Hatter character in it. Um, I didn't care for this movie that much for a couple reasons. One, uh, I don't know who it was kind of meant for. It's too dreary and slow for kids to enjoy it. But for adults, it, it really lacked a lot of substance. Um, it tried to create this for a movie that deals with the fantastical worlds of Wonderland and Neverland. This is kind of a dry, serious film. It should have been a lot more fun. Uh, it kind of wastes the talent that it has. And there's another reason why I think this film really didn't need to be made is the story of Peter Pan has been done so many times on screen throughout history. But even recently, it's been redone in the last 15, 20 years. Um, of course, you had the Disney animated classic and, of course, the Robin Williams hook uh, in the 90s. But recently, they had... One that was done with uh, the guy who played Malfoy's dad from Harry Potter playing Captain Hook. And Jason Isaacs. Yep, that one. Then a couple years later, they had a pan, a reboot, where it was the origin of Peter Pan and Hugh Jackman was in it, along with uh, Garrett Hedlund and uh, some other. Well, and well, Rooney Mara was in that one, too. And then just six months ago, they had another Peter Pan movie called Wendy, and this one was very similar to what I just watched last night, uh, where it was the real-life, realistic take on what if Peter Pan and Wendy were kind of orphan kids, you know, wandering the world. That was directed by the guy who did Beasts of the Southern Wild. So this is a story that's been done again. It's been done better other places. Uh, and you take a children's story and you try to make it maybe serious, but you lose focus. I don't know who it was for. It was, eh. I mean, too, uh, too bad. You, you really when you mess with uh, an institution like that with the Peter Pan thing, people have tried to improve on that, and really, I'm not sure you can. That was a good story for kids, particularly. Alec, you've got a. Do you have a film or two that you've seen since your last review posted at GreatAMovies.com? Sure. I should have been writing my review for this earlier, but I got sidetracked by some holiday uh, survey Richard Probst posted on Facebook. So uh, I saw the movie Freaky last night. I uh, saw this in the theater. Probably going to be the last time I go to the theater for the wa- for a while with the way the numbers are skewing around here lately. Um, enjoyed the movie a lot, though, and would highly recommend it. It's a... Uh, horror comedy starring Vince Vaughn and a uh, very promising young actress named Catherine Newton. Uh, You may remember her from Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, or uh, the movie Blockers from a couple years ago. She's a very good actress. I don't know if she's lucky or just has an excellent taste, but she keeps winding up in really good stuff. Uh, The movie is directed and written or co-written by Christopher Landon, Michael Landon's son. Um, thought it was really funny. Thought it was really violent. I thought the kills were super good. Uh, I think people are really going to enjoy this movie when they get a chance to see it. Okay, so 
Let me go back to something you said earlier. You said you may not go back to a movie theater before. I'm kind of with you, especially having gone through coronavirus. I'm in no anxious to go. I have no desire to go through it again, and I'm still not sure how I caught it. I was as careful as I could be. So do you think people are, and I'll, I'll ask both of you this, but I'll start with Alec. I think people are going to be more careful about going to movie theaters and what that mean for just uh, the film industry. Maybe so, maybe no. The movie was pretty crowded last night. Oh, really? Like, okay. Yeah. Mm. I mean, Grant, it was opening night. It's a Blumhouse horror movie. Vince Vaughn. Right? Sorry? They had spacing in between seats, right? They did. They yeah. did. Um, I think it was It's supposed to be 40% or less of the theater occupied. It seemed like it was 40% occupied. You know, I just talked, I've, I've been reading and, and, and listening to a lot of uh, public health experts that say even with the movie theaters being so careful about their capacity and spacing people out, that being in an enclosed area with the same people for two hours is still a little bit risky, even with all that in mind. So I think the theaters are doing what they can, but it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a very difficult time. Your thoughts on that, Adam? Well, so this, this kind of goes to my thoughts on uh, COVID-19 coronavirus altogether. Um, we're all kind of supposed to cut back a little bit on some of the things that we do. Uh, I don't think they expect any of us to, I mean, some people are going to completely hole up and not leave the house, but we're going to maybe go out to eat on occasion, uh, or maybe take your child to a park when there's barely anybody there and it's outside. You know, I went and took my daughter to the zoo on Monday. Uh, it did annoy me a little bit that some people didn't wear masks but we were outside and there was very few people there. So few that I said, well, I can easily avoid those people. Um, so we're all going to try to do some things. Movies seem to be the easy cut for some people, even if it isn't the most dangerous activity for a couple reasons. Movies were already expensive. The popcorn paying $8 to go there. Um, there's so many rental options at home. You know, we had talked before uh, the pandemic hit about the struggles that movie theaters were happening. Now you're just adding an extra reason for not pe- for people to not go. I think it's going to be really tough for them. And I think they can put a lot of safety procedures in place. Um, but people are going to cut a few things out of their lives. And if going to the movies wasn't as big to them, I mean, not everyone's like Alec who goes, like once or twice a week. Yeah, so. I've been going a lot still. I just wear the mask and generally hope that the theater isn't very crowded. And um, usually, you said with the exception of last the uh, one you just saw, um, most screenings have not been crowded. Most haven't been. There's been a handful that were like I went and saw the Empty Man recently. Um, the blink and you'll miss it, Empty Man. But for whatever reason, it was right around Halloween. It was a horror movie. There were people there. Yeah, I, I think the, the movie I'm really looking forward to seeing next is Hillbilly Elegy. It's in the theaters, but it's coming to Netflix. I am probably going to wait till it goes on Netflix, although normally I'd be at the theater to see it if it weren't for uh, coronavirus. It's so, also supposed to be terrible. Well, I don't know. i got to find that for myself, don't yeah, I? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I've, for seen, sure. I've seen a few reviews, and they're really sort of all over the place, so you have to kind of make that judgment for yourself. That's and, fair. Adam, you uh, recently saw a film that's been around for many years called Carlito's Way. You hadn't seen it before. What do you think of it? So I'm a big fan of Al Pacino. I think we talked previously about me watching, uh, re-watching, because I hadn't seen it for years, Dog Day Afternoon and Serpico and Injustice for All. 
Um, I love the old 70s Al Pacino. Uh, when you get into the 80s and 90s Al Pacino, he's chewing scenery a lot more. And Carlito's Way, uh, it came after Scarface. Uh, same director with Brian De Palma. And admittedly, I am not a big Brian De Palma fan. Uh, I think Carrie is great. I think uh, Scarface is fun, although not admittedly a, a piece of artwork. It is a fun movie to watch. And I'll be one of the few people that isn't a big fan of The Untouchables. I know a lot of people like The Untouchables. Uh, I think putting the 80s synth music in the middle of a period piece about the Prohibition kind of killed the vibe for me. I know De Palma likes to play the keyboard himself, but maybe he should have uh, not done that in all his films. Yeah, I think uh, I liked I think I liked uh, Untouchables more than you. I understand. I think that was an effort to make it relatable to the audience yeah. of that day. But yeah, you can you can pick it apart that way. But I, I think overall I like that film. So Carlito's Way, your your uh, your uh, final uh, judgment on that one. Carlito's Way, not as much fun as Scarface, but probably more well-crafted, I suppose. It doesn't have the the pulpy craziness of uh, Al Pacino sticking his face into a mound of cocaine and then <laughs> Scarface that, had. That final scene in Scarface, <laughs> you you really, it, that was just, you know, that, that's blood and guts and, and special effects to the nth degree. But Carlito's Way is... Thing, go ahead, I'm sorry. One great thing I'll say about Carlito's Way, and someone mentioned this while I was starting to watch it, they said, hey, this movie has really good quotes. And maybe I noticed it more because somebody said that, but it really does. Uh, it has some great quotable lines. Um, there's The narration doesn't always work, uh, but there's some great cameos too. Vigo Mortensen in a really early role does a good job. Uh, Sean Penn uh, is a lot of fun in the movie. Uh, yeah, if you watch it, you'll see a lot of people, you're like, oh, it's that one guy, it's that guy, you know. Some of them are bigger names, like John Leguizamo and Luis Guzman, but then there are other people like uh, Bradley Cooper's friend in uh, Silver Linings Playbook shows up. So, John a lot of characters. Yeah, John Ortiz. Yeah, I like that there dude. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, I remember I saw Carlito's Way years ago, and it, it I had to actually rack my brain to remember seeing it, so it didn't make a big impression on me at the time, but maybe better than average movie. Is that what you'd uh, describe it as, Adam? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it. It's a lot of times with those gangster films, it's not as good as Godfather or uh, Goodfellas um, or some of the greats. Here's my analogy: uh, Goodfellas was to Casino as Scarface is to Carlito's Way. How about that? Okay, you're you're doing proportions here. <laughs> I'm trying to figure that. I'm doing the SAT test. The, SAT test. <laughs> Okay, um, it's been three weeks since all three of us were together, and last time we were together three weeks ago, I gave my uh, views on the trial of the Chicago 7. Alec, you've had a chance to see it. Uh, What was uh, your takeaway from that? I adored it. It's currently my favorite movie of 2020. Hmm. There's six or seven different performances in that movie that were just lights out. Sorkin writes wonderfully as usual. I found it to be very powerful. I found it to be very funny. Uh, I found it to be entertaining, despite the, the serious subject matter. So did you know much about that period going in, or uh, was it all sort of new to you when you watched the film? Cur- cursory knowledge only. Okay, I, okay. So, it, so you learned a little something in the film. 
Indeed. Okay. I'm glad you liked it. I liked it a lot. I'm glad you liked it as well. I just, the only chance I've had a chance to watch a film because of everything that's been going on, I was out of commission for a couple of weeks and still trying to catch up. I watched a film that's about three years old. Uh, it's called The Current War. Now, The Current War is all about how electricity, as we know it, evolved. There were two uh, main characters in this film. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch plays the role of Thomas Edison. And Michael Shannon, here he is again, playing uh, the great industrialist George Westinghouse. And uh, also there's uh, Nikolai Tesla as a character in this film as well. And what I found, always found, I knew about this story beforehand, and I think this dramatized that whole competition that was going on about electricity. Would it be the DC, the direct current system, or the alternating current, AC? Edison had the DC, Tesla had the AC, and there were all kinds of crazy things going on with executions and ele- I mean, it was just there were a lot of crazy uh, uh, publicity stunts going on to try to sell one system and the other. What I always found interesting about that whole story, and they do tell the story in the current war, is that Edison had the DC, and DC really didn't come. It, the, the the electrical grid that we have today is AC. It's all it's alternating current because it can go further. DC is used for batteries and some other specific uh, uses, and that was Edison. But Edison went on to invent a lot of other things, like moving pictures and audio recordings and, and things like that. So he didn't have any problem getting into other inventions. But the part of the story that always got me, and, and it is well explained here, is that even though the alternating current system, the one that Tesla championed and literally invented he never got the money from it in fact he died as a pauper living in a tiny apartment or rooming house in new york city so uh i always found that to be a sad ending to a man who was quite brilliant edison went on to do other things and even though uh, even though we had a situation in that uh, that story where tesla won he didn't ever get the benefit from that Great performances by the two leading actors, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. You always expect him to be good. He got everything I've ever known or read about Thomas Edison was certainly portrayed in that film. And you got Michael Shannon, outstanding, playing George Westinghouse. Everything I had ever read or known about Westinghouse is pretty well portrayed there. So the, I give it a B-. minus. I really think it's a better-than-average film. It's not outstanding, but it's good. So if you see it come around, particularly on a pay service you might have at home or just some other way, would highly recommend you watch that film. I really liked it. I saw it probably six months ago during the start of the shutdowns. Um, The interesting thing about that movie, two things. One, right after it came out, there was an Ethan Hawke-led film called Tesla, uh, which is kind of the same story, but from Tesla's point of view, uh, it's not as good as The Current War. And they try to take some crazy uh, meta angles in the film. But uh, if you're really into the subject, I guess you could watch both of them, kind of like I did. Uh, and then the other thing is the making of the current war. Uh, I guess the version you probably saw is the director's cut. Yes. Because um, the film had been made long ago, and it got a terrible uh, response at, I think, the Toronto Film Festival or, that it was premiered at. And as a result, the director wanted to go back and do reshoots because he didn't think it was ready for the film festival anyways. But 
the studio with the negative press just shelved it and uh, didn't give him the money to reshoot it. And then like a year went by, he was able to do a fundraiser online, raise some money and then get it matched by somebody else who saw the interest, shoot additional scenes and finish the movie uh, the way that he wanted to finish it and then get it released. He says, the director in an interview, that it's still not 100% of what his vision would have been, but it's closer than the one that was at the Toronto Film Festival. I thought it was a good movie, but the interesting thing is, if the director, and he's a talented director, he did uh, Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl, uh, kind of a really nice film based on a YA novel. Um, If he was given the chance to kind of do it his way, I wonder what the film would have became, because it was really good. It had a chance to be a great film, but it didn't quite go up to being great to me. Like I said, like you said, B minus is probably where it belongs. Um, But as you know, kind of the process of making a film can really mess it up sometimes. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad that it uh, didn't die at that film festival. You know, a lot of directors complain about that. They're under time pressure to get their film ready, especially for a deadline like a film festival, and maybe the film isn't ready gets a bad reception and then the studio just abandons it so you raise your own money and then try to bring it back so um anyway that those are my thoughts on the current war i want to ask each of you about a new development that uh, i think is interesting and this has uh, has to do with wonder woman 1984 it is currently scheduled for a christmas release however uh, the studios are getting very concerned. This this obviously is a film they think is going to do very well at the box office. But now, and this isn't by any means uh, set in stone, but there apparently have been discussions between the studios, according to Variety magazine, between the studio Warner Brothers and HBO that when the theatrical release comes out uh, around Christmas time, that the studio would also release it on HBO Max, which would be a brand new kind of. We've had uh, you know some streaming services. HBO is a little bit different than a, the streaming services like Amazon and Netflix and some of the others. So, Alec, I'm just curious. Um, what do you think? This is a big blockbuster film. People have been waiting for it. It seems like it has a chance to be a very good film. What do you think about handling it that way? Mm-hmm. It's an interesting idea. If I were a betting man, I'm guessing it'll be coming out next summer. But You may be right. Adam, what do you think about it? So there was an article I read that says, uh, although you could put things directly to streaming, there's something about putting it out in theaters that really, uh, increases the value of an intellectual property. So a movie, if it's successful... You make money far beyond its theatrical run. Yes, you make money at the box office, but every time it's playing on cable, people buy the DVD, uh, people buy the T-shirt, everything around it, the product becomes more valuable. And they say a lot of it has to do with the amount of marketing and attention that goes into putting on a theatrical run. There's buzz, there's excitement, there's commercials, there's opening night, there's checking the box office figures. You don't get all that with streaming. So you take a film that still will be popular and still will do well, but I think its long-term value is diminished by releasing it so soon on streaming. So I, th- I think that uh, that you know, I, I, what I'm seeing now is that this 
uh, pandemic is changing the commercial way that films are shown and, and promoted and, and how we consume it. And I'm really going to wonder once uh, in a year or two, I mean, that's what I'm hearing, a year or two things will get back to something like normal, whether the movie business, the film business, the theater business will get back to normal. Really curious about that. One other item I just read today in some of the entertainment press that uh, the, the two big chains, and Regal has closed all their theaters, and some of the mo- uh, local theaters are, are closed. I think Landmark is open here. Flix Brewhouse is open now in, uh, in Carmel. There's some restrictions. It's not quite the way it was before, but it is open. You can eat there under those certain restrictions. But the two big chains, which are still open, AMC and Cinemark. And what I'm reading now is that the new, new trend that seems to be in the works is that, okay, a new film comes out, it goes into the theater, shown in the theaters for 17 days, then it goes to streaming or HBO or Showtime or some service like that. I think this kind of gets to what Anna was talking about, giving that film some class or value by putting it in the theater first but not keeping it there as long as one would, and not nearly as long as one would uh, before the pandemic. So, Alec, your your thoughts on on that as a possible trend? I mean, I'll piggyback on what Adam said. I think doing that would probably devalue your product. Uh, the first Wonder Woman made over eight hundred million dollars worldwide. Um, I do understand HBO or HBO Max is owned by AT and T. AT and T also owns Warner Brothers. I don't think they have as many subscribers to their new services they'd like. I know Disney Plus has a lot more. I know Netflix has a lot more. Perhaps by throwing Wonder Woman 1984 on there, they could increase their subscriber base. That may ultimately pay dividends to them. I don't know. So, Alec, I should say, Adam, what what are your thoughts about this this trend with uh, at least idea from Cinemark and AMC? Uh. I don't know. I think it worked for certain types of movies. I think kids' movies, family movies, may work really well. Uh, I think they did pretty well when it came to was it, uh, Trolls World Tour. I know Alec was really excited about seeing that in theaters, but you know, had to settle for at home. So, if my Facebook uh, news feed was the indication, my friends with children, a ton of them were watching it. So, I heard the music's actually pretty good on it. So, uh, but. These kids' movies, I think, work really well because if you've got four or five kids, if you're the Duggars and you've got a Duggar number of kids, uh, you know, it can be expensive (laughs) bringing that many people, you know, to a movie theater. Uh, And uh, so to be able to save that money, if your kid's not paying attention, you can have them watch it again the next day. Uh, There's a lot of appeals, I think, for the kids' movies. for big budget action films like Wonder Woman, I don't think it's the same watching it on your cell phone as it is watching it at the movie theater. Now, you know, let me ask you both about that because I guess maybe I'm just showing my age here. I have absolutely no desire to watch a film on my phone, even if I'm like in an airplane. I just listen to a podcast and watch a film on my phone. Alec, have you ever watched a film on your phone? If so, what was it like? I've done it on an airplane before. I generally prefer not to. Um, I have a pretty decent-sized TV at home. It's like 55 inches. I have surround sound. That's 
how I tend to like to watch a movie on the biggest screen as possible with the best sound possible. So, Adam, your thoughts? I do it almost every day. Really? Almost every day. Okay. Uh, I uh, I download movies to my phone usually using Netflix where you can download or Amazon Prime and I'll have a few movies on there. But I there's certain types of movies that I would pick. Comedies, old classics, things with a little more dialogue. Um, if it's a big budget spectacle with a lot of special effects, I'll save that to watch on the TV. You know what I'll do, which I know sounds really crazy to people. If it's a movie I've seen before, there are times I'll have the headphones on and just listen to a movie while I'm doing something and not even be looking at the screen. I did that when I had a a million dishes to wash at the restaurant. I was like, all right, let me put on something for me to listen to. I put on 12 Angry Men, the Mm. old courtroom drama movie. You really don't have to see anything for that. You could just hear the voices. And I just kind of listened to the movie. I'd seen it before. So if I missed something, I, I knew what happened. And I'll, I'll listen to a movie on headphones without even looking at the screen, which I know some people think is very strange. I actually knew a fellow who was totally blind, and he went to movies all the time. And he'd have his wife come with him, and if he needed to ask a question, she'd answer. But mostly he said, I get almost everything I need just by listening to what's, what's going on in the, in the movie theater. Well, uh, I, that's all I have for today. I'm just going to ask each of you, uh, what, what are you looking forward to film-wise? Uh, maybe anything in the works for GreatAMovies.com. Uh, I'll ask Adam to start. Uh, I don't know what's coming out. I guess they have all those Hallmark Christmas movies. I'm not really as, <laughs> as big into those. But I will look forward to kind of revisiting the old uh, Christmas classic films, especially with my daughter. She's starting to get a a little more into watching movies. Uh, She's into some interesting things. She likes the Studio Ghibli, the Japanese cartoons. She really liked How to Train Your Dragon. Uh, And lately, it's Dinosaurs. We haven't shown Jurassic Park to her because that's a little too scary. But they they have a Jurassic World Netflix TV show that's animated. And she's watched the whole thing, I think, twice, all 10 episodes, I think, twice already. And she's, she'll actually, and she doesn't want to watch it on a phone, Larry, because I'll sit there and say, hey, let's cuddle in the chair, watch it on the phone, and you'll fall asleep, and I can put you in the crib. And she'll say, no, dinosaurs on TV, on TV. <laughs> Maybe she just doesn't want to cuddle. <laughs> You know well, what? I'm trying I, to get her to sleep. As, as, <laughs> Fair as you, enough. And it's easy for the guy with no kids to say. Yeah, Sorry. right. I, I found my daughters as they got older, and yours, your daughter. That, that, my kids had about the same taste your daughter has at that age. But what I found as they got older, and they liked to watch films either on TV or in a theater, they were very attracted to films with a strong female character, particularly a young girl. And there were several films they watched over and over again, and I noticed the one theme in all of them is it was a very strong character, not their age, but close to their age, that they could really identify with and enjoy the film. So, Larry, one more. So we watched a film that I enjoyed as a kid, and there's actually an interesting thing about this. Uh, all Dogs Go to Heaven. Did you ever mm, see this one? Long time, long time yeah. ago, yeah. Okay, revisiting it now, one, I realized this film had a lot of things that weren't kid-friendly, even though it was a cartoon. The dog is a gambler who gets killed by the mob and then cheats his way back to life and now can never go to heaven again. And then the mobster wants to kill him again, and he's using the little girl to cheat at the horse racing track. There's a lot of, he's smoking, he's drinking. But here's the real weird thing that it's not even in the film. So 
I'll look at the Wikipedia page of movies when I'm watching them sometimes and just learn a little bit about the film. And it said on there, the little girl who was the Anne Marie, the orphan in the film, the 10 year old girl says, this was the actress's final role. And I said, well, what was she like? Didn't want to act anymore after this. I clicked on her page before the film came out. She was killed by her dad in a murder suicide. Oh my gosh. Larry, they put the movie out. They should have redubbed the voice or something. It's kind of creepy now that I know that. I will never watch that movie the same way again. Well, it sounds like the studio kind of kept it quiet, you know. Obviously, people didn't know that. She was the voice of Ducky in Land Before Time. I didn't know that. Oh, gosh. But now, yeah, they both are released after she died. That is a sad I don't know what to do with that information. It's not good. Okay, let's move to Alec. Alec. On that I note, <laughs> on that note, Alec, uh, what do you what do you see coming forward? Anything in the works other than what you've already mentioned for GreatAMovies dot com? Did Alec freeze up on us? I think Alec did freeze up on us. Oh my I, gosh! At first, I thought it was the crazy thing that I said that caused him to make <laughs> that look on his face. Perhaps he froze uh, himself up there. Oh, I think poor he Alec! Got froze up yeah, well, I think lost. Alec has gone well. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I just want to say one last thing. Even though I don't write for GreatAMovies.com, I love reading it. I think you would, too, if you enjoy film. And you, you'll get a chance to read what Alec and Adam have to, to, to write about. They, they write about films. Uh, Adam particularly uh, does some general commentaries about film. I think you would enjoy them all if you have any interest in movies. Once again, you just uh, type in on your uh, URL browser, GreatAMovies.com, all together, and... Uh, and it comes right up there for you. I think Alec is try, <laughs> trying to come back. Oh, my gosh. Well, yes. You know uh, we're wrapping it up. We'll let him say goodbye, though. We don't want to feel rude. And, and you know, Sorry. one thing, if you, watch these, if you watch these news channels, you just, I, somebody will be a guest on a news show on cable, and they'll, they'll be about to say something very important, and then all of a sudden they freeze up, and they're gone. Good to have you back, Alec. Any final thoughts uh, before we wrap this up? Uh, you want me to talk about what I was looking forward to movie-wise? Yeah, I think I was – right. yeah, that's where we're there. Anything coming up to GreatAMovies.com or anything else coming up in the movies uh, as we look forward here? My review for Freaky will be up later today. I will also be reviewing a movie – probably the review will be up tomorrow called uh, Dead Reckoning. It is probably my least favorite movie of the year so far. It was really, 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 really bad. Um, <laughs> probably like the- half – Every film can't be good, right? Um, but uh, th- those are coming up. I'm going to contradict what I said earlier. Flix Brewhouse is now open, and they're showing a movie that I'm kind of excited about called Fat Man. Okay. Where Mel Gibson is playing Santa Claus and Walton Goggins, who is one of my favorite character actors, playing a hitman who's been commissioned to kill him. So. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, that could go either way. <laughs> <laughs> any final thoughts? Adam had my number earlier. I like the genre uh, stuff. Any the final thoughts? Ridiculous. Any? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt to finish up. There, Alec. A lot of times, the more ridiculous, the better in my book. Okay. Well, uh, Adam, any final thoughts from you before we wrap this up? Just want to say I'm glad that you're feeling better, Larry. Well, thank you. Uh, believe me, I, nobody's more glad than I am, and I thank you and Alec for your in, your very, you know, your concern and all the other people who I, I, my relatives and friends and other people who 
gave me good wishes. I really think that had something to do with the fact that I recovered. So we will be back, all, all things considered. We do believe we'll be back next week. We try to do this every week. Missed last week, and I missed a couple Larry, of weeks ago. Yes. I probably have to miss next week. I'm oh. moving into my new house. So. Well, I heard about that. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I saw your house was up for sale. It didn't last long on the market, did it? Yeah, well, we had, I don't want to put too much on social media because you never know what's going to happen. But, yeah, we, we close next week. And well, enjoy your new home. And, yeah, that's going to take a little time to get that set up. But, okay, well, Alec, we'll try to see what we can do uh, as far as uh, doing something next week if you're up to it. That sounds good, Larry. Appreciate okay. it. Okay, Glad great. you're feeling better. Well, thank you and, so much. Well, we wish congratulations, uh, Adam, on the new house. Yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll look forward to hearing just about your new house, just kind of what it's like and all that, and all the work that goes into it. So, on behalf of uh, Adam Austin, Alec Toombs, this is the GreatAMovies.com podcast. My name is Larry Lannon. Have a great week, and uh, all things go well. We'll be back next week with another GreatAMovies.com podcast. <laughs>